Um, turn with me to Matthew's Gospel, if you have your Bible with you. I want to speak this morning, just for a few moments, just for a few moments uh, on the theme of dare to be a disciple. And that's the theme I'm going to take just for a moment or two. Matthew chapter 28, if you have a Bible with you, you might like to turn uh, there for a moment or two. And I'm just breaking into the series that I'm looking at. This is just a one-off uh, a message that I particularly just wanted to pick up a theme this morning. And uh, I'll give my reasoning in a moment or two. But um, if you have a Bible with you, it's verse, uh, chapter 20, 28, verse 19 reads like this in Matthew. Jesus said these words, Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and um, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So I just want to just take up that thought this morning. You know, Jesus gave a number of commands. He, he, one of the commands that he gave was um, to love the Lord our God with all our heart, all our mind, all our soul, and all our strength. And our neighbor as ourself. And then something similar, a little bit different and similar, second command, and commands are really important. If there's anything that's to be important, we obviously all the words of Jesus are incredibly important for our lives. But when you share something that is as forceful as a command, uh, this is something we must do. We need to do. It's the priority. It's the best thing you can do in life, okay? That's what he was talking about when he was thinking of commands. This is just so important. And the second command he gives is this one. It's go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything. And so this is, he shares some vitally important things for life. And the command there to make disciples of all nations. He didn't say, um, go and make some people of faith. Um, go and make some church attenders. He didn't say that. He said, go and make disciples of the nations. Interesting word that, isn't it? Do you notice that there? He says, go and make disciples. It's a commandment. It's so important that he shares this. This is what's on his heart. He sums up all of his three years worth of life. He's about to go and depart from his friends. This is at the end of Matthew's gospel. And so he sums up everything. It's a summary of three years worth of teaching, not of life, of 33 years, but three years worth of his teaching, summed up in one verse almost. And he sums up life. And this is life and this is everything. It says, go and make disciples. Now that word disciple, interesting little word. Such a little word and such an amazing word and a powerful word. It literally means this. It means footstep follower. In its literal essence, to speak. Footstep follower. A disciple is someone that follows in the footsteps of the particular teacher. And you'll notice that the early believers were called disciples, not just the 12 disciples, but he said, go and make numerous disciples. So this isn't just the 12 apostles, the 12 special ones. To be a disciple, you must be a special one, the inner 12. Not at all. A disciple is a period, footstep follower. And so Jesus says, go and make footstep followers of the world 
of me. Of who? Of Jesus Christ. Go into all the world and make footstep followers of the world, people that will follow in the footsteps of Jesus himself. Be like Jesus. Think like Jesus. Talk like Jesus. Act like Jesus. Be like Jesus. We're to be like Jesus Christ. That's what a disciple is, a footstep follower. It's like following the prince of and following in the line of him. Interesting. In the book of Acts, if you read the first few chapters in Acts, it says that the early believers were called Christians or Christians. And that word Christian, they were first termed by the pagans of the day. So the people who didn't attend a church or an organization or didn't follow Jesus Christ, they observed the people that were following Jesus Christ people like you and me, and they gave them a a, a term. It was a derogatory term in those days. And they called them Christians, Christ-like ones. Another, Another translation says this, little Christs. Little Christ. And it wasn't a nice term. It was a term that was derogatory. It was a term that, that they laughed and sneered at them because these people looked like they were like Christ. They acted, they talked, they followed, they became, they lived like the teachings and the practices of Jesus. They became like him. And so the people of the day called them, look at those little Christs. Aren't they stupid? Aren't they foolish? Look at them. And they laughed and sneered at them. But in their sneering and their laughing, they gave them the, term, the name Christian, Christ ones, little Christs. Interesting that. A derogatory term now is something that we all go by. We're proud to be a Christian. But it's interesting because it's, it, it gave an, an idea, a picture of what they were like, their character and who they were. They were truly were footstep followers. These early believers must have acted, looked, talked, been, enacted and did the things that Jesus did to be called people that were like little Christs. There must have been something about them. And I would say this, something was this, that they were truly, completely, utterly true to what Jesus said he wanted them to be, his disciples, his footstep followers. And so, we are all called to be Christians, Christ-like ones. We are all called to be footstep followers. And do you notice Jesus says, go into all the world and make disciples. They don't just sort of happen. It's a a term that is intentional. It's It's something that we intend, set our hearts to, give ourselves to. And the church is to intend, give itself to, to actually change the world in which we live in. Now, I know we can't change the world per se, but we're to go, to tell, to live, to be. And then Jesus does the rest by the power of the person of the Holy Spirit, of course. But it's intentional. You can't just sit back and, and then... It's just like, you know, it's a silly thing to say, but I've heard, uh, um, I've heard it said, you know, going to McDonald's every week, in fact, every day, and sitting at McDonald's won't make you a hamburger. And it won't make you, you know, follow a Ronald McDonald necessarily. And just like going to church won't make you a Christian. There's something intentional. It's the following of Christ and the being like Christ and the intention to be like Christ and want to be like Christ and to act and be like him that becomes, that I become like him. 
that I am therefore a footstep follower and disciple of him. Now, Jesus said this in Luke 9, 23. He said, if anyone would come after me, and this is why this is for all of us now. So he says to the church, make disciples. But then Jesus says something to every individual. And this is to you. And this is to me this morning and to every person on the face of this planet. This is what Jesus says in Luke 9, 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow me. Say that again. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, pick up his cross daily and follow me. Do you see there this idea of being a footstep follower? Following who? Following him. Following Jesus. So we're called to deny ourselves, pick up our cross daily, and follow him. And he calls us and draws us into a journey, relationship, life. So we've got something that's going to come up on screen. And we're going to just look at this just for a moment or two this morning. And uh, I need to place myself so I can see it as well. So that's cool. Stand there. So to help us sort of visualize um, this Luke 9, 23, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, they must deny themselves, um, pick up their cross daily, and follow him. Okay, so we see there that Jesus is calling us to be a footstep follower and to go after him. And this is for all of us today. And um, the first thing that we see is, is, is this, we need to deny ourselves. If you look at the circle on the cross there, uh, at the center of that, 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 circle, uh, that, that circle, that circle's you, that circle's me, that's each one of us. And uh, we are to deny ourselves and give place to the Lord Jesus Christ in the very center and heart of our lives. You know, in our lives, our lives are so full of stuff. To deny yourself isn't mean to say, I won't have sweeties this week. I will stop having chocolate this time. It doesn't necessarily mean that. The denying of self doesn't mean about giving up lots of stuff necessarily. But the denial of self is about me not saying it's all me, 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 but me and you saying it's all him, him, him. It's all Jesus. So, the de- so Jesus says the denial of ourselves is to allow us to make him the center of our lives. And so you see there, Christ needs to be at the very center of our lives. So he says, deny yourself so that you make room for less of me and more of him. And so in John 15 verse 5, Jesus says these words, I am the vine and you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And so we want to have Jesus Christ at the the sense of the center of um, our lives. We want to spend time with him. He's our master. Jesus, if you want to master our lives, if we want to have a handle on life, then we need to spend time with the master of life. And the master of all life is the person of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. You know, so many people today will want to have a a mentor or life coach. You go to the mind, body and spirit section in any bookshop and the life coaching section is massive. And people, the pop psychology, the psychology section, doesn't mean to say you have to go and do a degree in psychology. Today, people want to 
better life, a more successful life, a more influential life, how to have friends and influence people, how to be um, successful at work, how to lead your life, and this sort of stuff. But if we want to really have a handle on life, master life to the full, then shouldn't it be that we learn to know the master of all life? And the master of all life is the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And this is why he says, if you make some space for me, so to deny yourself is to give God some space, to say it's not all about me, but I want it to be about you. So we need to spend time with the master. Now, that's a great idea. You can say to me, that's a good idea. That's a good thing to do. That's great. We, we would love to do that. But, you know, I just don't have time. You know, it's a great idea. Come and follow me, says Jesus. But uh, if you want to get, make space for your life and in your heart and in your life, then there's some things that we can do that will give God space. But we know at the very center of our hearts, Jesus needs to be. He needs to have the room of our, in our lives. So we need time with the master. So there's a number of things. So when he says pick up the cross, and so in the shape of the cross, the first thing that we can do and the first sense of resources that we've got that help us have um, life with the master is the word of God. Interestingly, in the shape of the cross, and we'll look at this uh, as it develops, but the the second aspect of life is that Jesus uh, says in John 8, verse 31 to 32, if you hold my teaching and you really are my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. God's word is like food to our souls. Um, Tim was sort of sharing that this morning about laying hold of his word this week as we were worshipping and saying, let's have the rest of this week to lay hold of the truth of his promises. And Tim was leading us in the worship team this morning. He was sharing that just as he was, before he was handing over at the end. The rest of this week, let's get hold of his word and his promises. And so true, that's so true. To have Christ at the center, great idea. To make room for Jesus, I'm sure that all of us want to do that. How are we going to do that? By picking up the cross. What is the cross? Well, one aspect of the cross is going deep into his word. Putting our roots down in him. Feeding on the word of God. To hear the word of God when it's spoken. To read the word of God for yourself. To read the word of God. To hear the word of God. To um, think about the word of God. To memorize the word of God. The Bible talks about, um, Joshua was told, God said to him, be strong and courageous. Do not let this book of the Lord depart from your mouth. Meditate on it. Be careful to meditate on it day and night. So it's good enough for Joshua. I tell you what, it's good enough for you and me. So God's word is so important. So to hear it, to read it for yourself, to to look at some of the verses of the Bible, to remember them, memorize them, to meditate is to think over them. How does it apply to my life? To analyze it, reflect on the word of God. You know, keeping your own um, daily walk with God. Even if you read it five minutes a day, reflect. How does that work for me today? The word of God is living and active. And it's that aspect that roots us and helps us keep our hearts central and open our hearts to Jesus. But not only that. We need to also not only spend time in the word, and that's one of the resources that's there to help us make Christ at the center and spend time with the master, but also then secondly to pray in faith. In John 15, verse 7, Jesus said, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and I will give it to you. Isn't it interesting? It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish. You see that vertical, the vertical bar of the cross, as it were. Interestingly, we pray and we say, oh, 
God doesn't answer my prayers. But it's interesting what Jesus says. says, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, it will be given you. Can you see that with his word and being in Christ, and when we ask in prayer, those three things, we will be in tune with his will. And if we're in tune with his will, he will give us according to his will. So many Christians pray and don't receive or don't see because one, perhaps we're not remaining in him. Perhaps his word's not in us. And therefore, we're not asking in accordance with those three things. And so you can see there that the vertical bar of the cross, as it were, the prayer and the word, the prayer rooting us, the, uh, 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 the word rooting us and prayer drawing us, that keeps us in check with and keeps us central. And it will keep Jesus central and com- help us communicate with the living Jesus, and keep him at the center of life. It's as simple as that. The resources that God has given us. So when Jesus says, pick up your cross, people think it's about this great big burden, but it's about being rooted in his word and laying hold of prayer. But then also, so he says, if any man come after me, he must deny himself and pick up his cross. So the, the third bar of the cross in the horizontal plane, which is the plane which is related to you and I, there's the the realm which is related to God, and now we're looking at the realm that's related on the earth. So there's a heavenly realm. Now we're looking at the earthly realm. And uh, we see there this, the, the third aspect of keeping Jesus Christ at the center, of picking up our cross, of following as a disciple, of being his footstep follower, a Christian. And that third thing there is in John 13, it's fellowship. Um, living in fellowship, living in fellowship with other believers. And in John 13... He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, all men will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, how will they know you are my disciple? If you love one another. Interesting, in Acts, it says, the pagans said, these people are amazing. Look at how they love each other. The world will know when we love one another. And so fellowship is about being with in union. I spent some time, I'm not going to go into a great depth this week, but last week we looked at the theme of fellowship as we're looking through the book of Acts and the life of church, ecclesia. And, but church is you and me. Church is people. God with skin on. We're to become like Jesus Christ and to relate to one another, to be with one another, to look after one another, to encourage one another to lift one another, to nurture one another. Iron sharpens iron with one another. You can't say, I like God, but I hate the church. It just doesn't add up. We've got to love one another. And this is where, by living with one another and looking out for one another. And uh, Jesus got his disciples to be with one another and look out for people other than my circle of friends in church life. You can have just your own sphere of friendship, which is nothing wrong with that. It's good to have our own group of friends, but it's looking outside of my own circle of friends to the wider group around me and not just the wider group around me, but we're looking at that aspect of the family of God. But also then the other horizontal plane is not only looking out for those around me and in the life of church, but then witness is looking for those outside of me. And that's within, and then we're looking what is called without. And uh, in this, in John 15, 8, Jesus said, This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing others to be my disciples. This is my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing others to be my disciples. 
obviously the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. We are to bear fruit, to be like Christ, the character of Christ, but we're also to do the things of Christ. And to bear fruit is, you know, um, is is for other believers, for other people. Now, we can't make that happen. But what I can do is look outside of myself and to follow. Jesus says, follow me. So what does that mean? To follow Jesus is to go and do the things that Jesus did and to be with other people. So to fellowship within the life of God, the church, and to be amongst other Christians. But also, Jesus says, follow me in being outside of the life of the church and being with people around you and thinking of those around you. And that's all on my witness. You do not have to go on an evangelism course to be a witness. You do not have to go knocking on someone's door to be a witness necessarily. Just you being you, mixing in the circles wherever you are, and loving God, and naturally following Christ, will be that it will be like Jesus, and you will show the attributes and character, and you'll want to be able to share with people, this is why I do what I do, and this is why I am what I am, because I follow Jesus Christ. That's being a witness. And he wants us to be and to go. And so you can see that the vertical part of the cross of prayer and the word, keeping, com, um, conversing with Christ at the very, keeping Christ at the center, will then correspond with the following and the, that's the, the heavenly realm, will correspond with the horizontal, the witness and the fellowship. That's the earthly balance to the Christian life. I know some believers that will love to pray, to soak, to sing. But when it comes to God's word, might not read, might not take in. It's the whole aspect of becoming a disciple. It's the whole desire to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, you'll notice that the cross points outward. This is not just something that's inward, just for me. And the good news is it is something that's just for you. That's the good news. It's amazing. But it's not just for you and me. It's for the world. And it will affect everyone outside of me. And so as we begin to follow Jesus and keep Jesus at the center by living in his word, by practicing the prayer of faith, by fellowshipping with one another, and by witnessing all this naturally happening, it's naturally happening because I have an intention to follow. Because it doesn't happen otherwise. Unless you actually say, I'm going to follow him this way. I intend to follow him this way. As we begin to do this, you find some amazing things. That we begin to find our gifts and talents. And we begin to get to the next one, Joy. There's one last one, I think. should click again. That's it. That's the one. Ministry of service. So as you find that in the area of um, the word... You find that if that's an area that you've spent time and life in, you may begin to find there's aspects of perhaps teaching, speaking, sharing with others, leading, and being involved in, say, an area of a life group. And you begin to find that the, a ministry, gifts, talents begin to be released in your life. For some of us, there's an aspect perhaps um, in the area of prayer of faith. We find in that area the area of intercession, prayer. Prayer ministry, healing ministry, uh, worship, intercession, the gifts of worship, and the aspects. And so we find that ministries are released from that area. Perhaps in from the area of, of fellowship, we find in that area the, the ministry of nurture. 
encouragement, service, um, discipling, um, looking after, encouraging. So we get the ministry of nurture from the area of fellowship. And from the area of witness, we may find that gifts of, different gifts are released in your life on the area of evangelism, sharing with others, the ability to communicate the Christian message and to be able to connect with people and uh, be able to um, release God's message to people. And so we find then the aspect of not only my life and my heart growing in Christ and Christ being at the center, but me being released naturally in gifts and talents. There's no unemployment in the kingdom of God. Not that God works you to death either. That's the good news. God doesn't work you to death. He just says, come and follow me and love me. And as you begin to love him and follow him with an intention to follow him and pick up the cross, deny yourself uh, and to follow him, you find that these aspects of life begin to grow. Now as we conclude, in the life of our church, we are looking to be intentional in following the command. You know what we started with this morning in Matthew 28 verse 19, go and make disciples. And so what we're seeking to do as a church is be intentional in that and not just take it for granted that if we all just turn up, that's what we're doing, although we, many of us are probably doing that as well. But we're not going to take that for granted. And so we seek to be intentional. And so one of the things that we have been running in the life of church, and we will continue to, it won't be a one-hit wonder, and it's not the be-all and end-all, but there's something that we're running, it's a discipleship journey. And so we run something called Master Life Discipleship Journey. The Master Life Discipleship Journey is based on what we've just begun to share in just sort of 25, 20 minutes. What I've shared in 25, 20 minutes is a journey, a Jesus journey. And so we're running a a discipleship journey in the life of church. It's called Master Life. It's how we make Jesus the master of our lives and therefore master life and live as a a disciple in Christ. Have you ever thought, you know, um, ever ever when you first learned, those of you who can drive, driving a car, those of you who can drive, I remember my first driving lesson, I went down the road. It was like kangaroo petrol. The car was stop, start, stop, start. You know, when you first drive, you think, I could never do this. I can never do this. Gears, clutch, handbrake, mirror. And now, you probably drive without even thinking. If you get the first bit right, you're set up for life, basically. Like riding a bike. If you learn to ride a bike, get on your bike. We, with all of our girls, Helen did this and I did this, um, we would stand behind them on their bike, run along behind them. How tedious was this? And, and they would say, eventually we'd let them go and then they'd say, and eventually they'd learn to ride the bike. You, can, you just do it, you just do it. If we intend to follow Jesus and we get the early stages right, you're set up for a great life, an amazing life. And have you ever intended and thought, I can't do all this stuff? Have you ever thought, I can't do the handbrake, I can't do the reading and the prayer, and, and it's like kangaroo petrol, you're stop-start as a Christian. I've been like that over the years. So the Master Life journey helps you, helps me, helps us be intentional about following Jesus. It doesn't teach you to suck eggs, but it doesn't take for granted that all these things are just flowing in our lives. And so what we've got is, um, it's a, a journey of about 24 weeks, 26 weeks, And in that journey, we look at following Jesus, the master. And it's based on what I've just shared. Christ at the center, picking up the cross, following him. 
It's a Jesus journey. And so it's a, uh, we don't call it a course. I don't call it a discipleship course. It's a discipleship journey because it's for anyone. You do not have to be an academic. It's all Bible-based. It's really practical. It's life application. It's incredibly challenging. It's most amazingly rewarding. Amazingly rewarding. And everyone that does it says, I am growing. I am becoming. I am being. I've not arrived. But it's, I am feeling that I've done all the stuff I should have always done and life is becoming clear to me now as I'm following God. Finding our gifts, being released to follow Jesus to the fullest potential. I encourage you and I encourage myself in this to follow him. Let's be people that follow him with the fullness of our hearts, with all of our lives, with everything that we've got. Now, I'd encourage you to sign up if you feel that this is something for you There's still an opportunity for our next Master Life is about to run. We're going to run this every year, all the time, constantly, as a continuing journey for everyone who wants to join and follow and join in. It will be incredibly challenging, but the most amazing, rewarding journey. Why? Because we're following Jesus and no one else and nobody else. So if you're interested, there's still an opportunity. It's probably about four, maybe five places left I think maximum. They might might look as if on the list there's a lot more, but I would say there's about five places left for this next journey. Um, then have a look at the info, the info point over there. And um, it's amazing material. It's an amazing journey. And um, all for about the price of a cup of coffee each week. It's an, a done deal. It's quite incredible. Let's pray together. Now you'll say, well, you're raving on about this, Adrian. You seem pretty excited about this. Uh, I've got no shares in this. I don't stand to make a profit from any of this. The only thing that I am so excited about this is that if it means that people will follow Jesus all the more, they'll become all the more passionate believers. If it means that they will become all the more passionate about their church and they want to serve, be released in ministry, follow Jesus, tell the world, go for God, then that's why I'm so passionate about it. And that's my only reason why. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you say, go into all the world and make disciples, teaching them to follow you and to abide and live for you and follow all of your commands. And so, Lord, we say that we love you, we honor you, you're wonderful. Thank you for the person of the Holy Spirit who empowers our hearts to be like you. Thank you that it's not just knowledge and understanding and reading and following, but it's you in our hearts and you in our lives. Jesus on our lips, Jesus in our hearts. And uh, we just say, Lord, it's so great that you are alive today. It's so good that you have made the way. And now we ask you that you'll help us follow you in the way. We really do. Help us follow you, live for you, and become more like you. We dare, we dare, We dare to be disciples, Lord, and fulfill and follow your command, not only to become that ourselves, but to tell the world and let the world know that you're still alive, you still change lives, and you're a still amazing God. In your mighty name we pray, and for your glory we ask. Amen. Amen. God bless you.